What is going on, everyone, and welcome to an emergency edition of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Vernon Damo on the show. And, man, we did it. We hired the guy. It looks like, you know, it's not for certain yet, so it's not 100% guaranteed, but it looks like 95 98%. Looks like we got our guy. Uh, Wes Unsell Jr. is reportedly the front runner for the Wizards head coaching job, according to Fred Katz and Sham Sharania. Uh, Instant reaction for you. How happy were you when you saw the initial tweet? I was a little late. Um, I was at work, so I didn't see it about until like 15 minutes after it was announced. But, I mean, what was your initial reaction? I mean, just uh, it's about damn time, right? Like, it's been a long process. Uh, it's been a thorough process. Um, and, you know, we his name has been out there for a while. It always made sense. But I'm, I'm glad to see that they actually went through the uh, necessary process to make sure he was the right guy uh, for the job, not just from a nostalgia and storyline standpoint, but from an X's and O's and uh, ability standpoint. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited, man. I, I'm, you know, they did they they, I feel like they did something right here. Yeah, I definitely agree. And uh, that, that's something we kind of touched on the other day. Uh, we didn't really understand the criticism from the fans. And we saw this a little bit earlier today as well. I mean, guys, what do you want Tommy to do? If, if Wes is the front runner from the beginning, that's all fine and dandy. That doesn't mean that you go ahead and sign him right then and there. You talk to other guys because you want to get opinions. Because who knows, maybe there's someone you come across where you're like, okay, well, you know what? This guy's going to be better long-term. It isn't cut and dry, black and white like some of these fans are making it. Like, I hope some of these fans don't manage because if they're managers of any sort, they probably make wrong personnel decisions all the time if this is literally how they think. You do your due diligence. If you come to the conclusion that you were hoping to come to at the beginning of the process, then cool, that's fine. But you still need to go through that process and make sure that you, you, know, you did your due diligence and did your research took the time to meet the guys and gals, anyone who was interested. And, um, you know, you talk to people inside their organizations, maybe even outside the industry, just to get opinions on certain types of guys or certain types of philosophies. And you know what? It, it looks like Tommy did that. So I think he did a great job. Yeah, yeah I mean, really nothing to really add to that. I mean, the process is the process. And I think for, for a change, they actually went through the process correctly um and got their guy i mean i i don't really know what else i mean i i just don't know where how you could complain about this this the way they went about this hire i really don't see how you can complain about it i don't either um but the three finalists and the, this is kind of the thing that's kind of annoyed me throughout this whole process and it's not i guess it's more of just tommy not wanting names to get out but like even today they were um like you know Wes, uh, Darvin Ham, and uh, Charles Lee were among the finalists. It's like, okay, guys, who else are the finalists? Like, why, why, why don't we know? Uh, because I, I'd be interested to see who those other names were, j- just to see for future reference. Um, but Ben, is it is it Mehij? 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 I don't know. Anyway, uh, that fellow tweeted out earlier that some of the interviews that the Wizards were doing would be um, for additional members on Wes Unseld's staff. Uh, I, I was telling you on the way 
to the house here, I think that one person who may fit that bill is Scott Morrison, just because seemingly he's out of a job and other guys that they've interviewed. Um, I mean, maybe Chris Fleming could be interested in the job. Um, I, I doubt Chris Quinn leaves Miami. But I think Scott Morrison makes a lot of sense to come in as sort of that offensive coordinator type guy. But, I mean, are there any names off the top of your head from the interview list that you think that they should look at? Uh, see, see, I don't know who is willing to take an assist, a, a lead assistant job if they're already kind of in good situations as, as kind of the next man up where they are. Um, and I haven't really looked to see who – who has who has a relationship? Because you know this business is really about relationships. Who has a relationship with Wes? If he's going to be the head guy, who he's going to want to bring with him? Like, um, but I'm interested to see if you know it's a staff that Tommy says, okay, these are going to they're going Tommy is going to appoint his assistants for him, his head assistants for him, or he's going to say, you know, Wes, you can bring whoever you want to bring on. Um, I'm I'm curious to see what how that kind of turns out, but I mean I have really no idea who they could possibly bring in as assistant because I I'm not sure who would be willing to be an assistant um, if all of these guys have been you know interviewing for head coaching jobs. So who knows? Right, because that's the thing too is is if you bring in a staff, you want guys who are going to be here, you know, for at least four to five years. You don't want to sign two coaches and then this next off season they're lining up for head coaching interviews. You know, you don't want a lot of staff turnover with the new regime coming in. Now, um, now I would say like, like in the case of like Billups, right. Or, or particularly any first time head coach, usually they bring in a, a lead assistant as someone who was a former head coach, like right. how you have with Billups, they brought in Scott Brooks. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm wondering if they bring in somebody that was a former head coach to be the lead assistant under, under Wes. Um, and I, I have no idea who that could be. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea who that could be. The one that comes to mind, and this is just because I know he's out of a job now, um, is Steve Clifford. I don't know how, cause mm -hmm. I know, I know Wes is, He's, it says he's more of a defensive guy. I don't know if that was just a specific duty that they wanted him to do in Denver, and he is a good offensive guy. Uh, but, I mean, I certainly wouldn't be mad, at, I guess, at doubling down on the defense as long as you have a good offensive coordinator. But Steve Clifford's the one that uh, comes to mind right now, just like I said, because I know he doesn't have a job right now. But Steve Clifford is still a fine coach. It just it, The timeline with him and the direction the match are going in, it just wasn't going to match up. For sure. For sure. What other head coaches are out there that are former head coaches that Man, are currently Kenny, at a Kenny Atkinson. He's on the Warriors staff now. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's dead. He's not leaving there. <laughs> nah. um, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. Because Hornacek is with... Um, Silas, I'm trying to think of head coaches who've gotten canned. Uh, I don't know. I really can't think of any. Where's um? Oh, Nate McMillan's at the Hawks. Damn. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, but it's nice to see that they finally came to their conclusion after this long search. Uh, you know, this is something that we've been waiting on 
for 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 weeks now, and it seemed like they were never going to make a hire. But uh, you know what? It looks like they've, they've officially made their hire, and um, definitely excited to see this process going forward. Who they bring on staff? I'll be really interested in seeing how many players, how many players we look at that were former Nuggets um, while Unseld was there. I think that'll be something to watch for going into the offseason. I don't have their free agent list right in front of me, but I would imagine they'll try and look at some guys that or that one that Unseld has uh, coached before. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um and that list is that list is pretty pretty extensive because the Wizards job his wizard's job as an assistant here, that was his first job, right? Yeah, it said that on Wikipedia, and, and we all know how reliable Wikipedia is, but, I mean, it did say he was more of an offensive guy, and he was given a lot of credit for the offensive work that went on um, when he was with the Wizards originally. Right, because that was under Eddie Jordan. So, and I remember that Eddie Jordan offense being pretty prolific. Now, I mean, he did have... Gilbert Arenas, but uh, I guess now you got you got Bill and Walt. I mean Bill and Russ. So you know, I would expect it to be pretty prolific still now. But uh, um, okay, so I'm looking here. Yeah, so Wizards assistant, then the Warriors for two years, eleven and twelve. Then he was a Magic assistant. So he was a Magic assistant under. So was he under Steve Clifford then with the Magic? What year was it for? So he was there. He was with the Magic. Before he went to Denver, he was with the Magic from 2012 to 2015 as an assistant. Was that Frank Vogel? Or no, because he was in Indiana at that point. Who the hell was the Magic's coach after Frank Vogel? Was it Jacques Vaughn? I'm looking it up now. I'm, I'm thinking that might be who it was. Uh, so from twelve to yep, it was Jacques Vaughn. So he was okay. under Jacques Vaughn. Yeah, right. And yeah. Jacques Vaughn currently has a job, right? Or does he not? He is with the Nets. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As an assistant, so could he bring Jacques Vaughn on as a head assistant? That'd be interesting. Jacques, Jacques I don't think is the head assistant with the Nets. But right. Who knows? But- Again, though, it's like, do you really want to risk the turnover? Because he was already probably going to get the Pelicans job this year if it wasn't for him not wanting to move. And that's the thing, too. He probably won't even take that job now that I'm thinking about it with Washington because he doesn't want to move from that area. Because that's the reason he didn't take the New Orleans job to begin with. Yeah, yeah, because of the, yeah, he didn't want to move. But it's like, I mean, I just feel like the Pelicans, man, like, are they even going to be in New Orleans in the next five years? Like, is that really a job you want right. to take? <laughs> right. Like, that was kind of what I was arguing about earlier today. Like, you know, I, I get it with these black coaches. Like, like you know, you you think you would think they would jump at any job because it's only thirty of these jobs. But I just feel like with black coaches, sometimes you only get one opportunity. So right. that opportunity you get, you better make it count. And taking a job with an unstable franchise. I just don't know. Like, I would rather just stay an assistant with a contender than take a job with the Timberwolves or the Pelicans who are just so unstable, you know, 
and then you're going to get blamed if it doesn't work out. And then now that bad record sits on your resume. Right. Like, um, I mean, Luke Walton, for example, Luke Walton, um, took the job yeah. in the, with the Lakers and he was terrible. And then he got the job in Sacramento and he's still terrible. So still terrible, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's Luke Walton though. So he'll probably get another job somewhere else, but it's the name brand. Yeah. It's the brand name, man. But if, if I'm a first time black head coach, I'm not taking no damn Kings job. I'm just not doing it. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Like I'll stay, I'll stay an assistant with the Nets, you know, Katie and Nash and those guys. Go win a title as an assistant, and then uh, when the right job comes up, I'll take that job as a head coach. I'm not, no, I'm not. You're not putting that bad record on my resume. The the, the cool thing about this job is this is a perfect market for a black coach, and then specifically again when you have the local ties like this, it just makes it too perfect of a fit. Now, obviously, um, it's it's way too early to give a grade on this hire because we need to see how it all performs. I mean, initially I'm sure we'd like to give it an A plus, but you do still need to see uh, how he implements his X's and O's, how he manages Brad and Russ. Uh, Let me ask you this. Do you think that having to deal with either um, Russ or Beal individually or both together had any impact on their coaching search? Um. I'm sure I'm sure they talked to him and I'm sure those guys gave them uh you know some some factors or, or characteristics that they wanted from a coach from an X's and O's standpoint, from a character personality standpoint. Um and probably some of those things were uh opposite of what they were getting from Brooks. Like I, I just look at it like this from as much complaining as I saw uh uh Bill's wife do on Twitter about Brooks indirectly. It just never, it just never seemed like that was this happy-go-lucky marriage, and this, that Bill just adored Brooks like that. I just never felt that way. So I'm sure Bill was watching some of the same stuff we were watching, man. Um, as far as lack of adjustments and the and the load that he had to carry nightly, you know, being triple team and shit, and there's just no. You know, it's no movement. It's just give the ball to Bill, get the ball to Russ, and we'll see what happens. Uh, and you come out the game, and then you lose lose leads, and then you got to get thrown back in, to, and, you know, to damn near die just to get the lead back. Like, I just I, – I know he had to see that. So I'm I'm pretty sure he gave his two cents on, on what was ne- – what needed to be next as far as the head coach is concerned. Um and, and I think they should be all right with, with, with Wes. I really do. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure they gave their input, although I'm not really sure how much input I would have seek, uh, sought out from them because at the end of the day, in my mind, I still believe I know where this is headed. And in a year or two, they're not going to be on the roster. So I wouldn't have looked for too much input from guys who aren't going to be here if I'm looking for a long-term head coach. Uh, look, you have again. You have to do your due diligence. You have to talk to them. But I mean, if you really like a guy and everything checks out, but Brad and Russ are kind of like, eh, I'd rather go in a different direction. Well, they can kick rocks and deal with it. And I hope that's the kind of approach that Tommy had with it too, because you can't do this and screw yourself. Because if you screw this up and you end up having to trade both of them, um, 
or you get into a mess where Beal wants out, but Russ wants to accept his contract or whatever, and you're kind of stuck in purgatory again. Tommy, you're out of a job, pal. But I mean, we we talked about this earlier too. Like, Wes was one of the few guys that we felt like fit either direction they went. Like, right. if they wanted to go rebuild, Wes was young enough and adaptive enough to kind of develop young talent. And then if they wanted to try to go all in, well, Wes has been on contenders and uh, well, has been on a contender with the Nuggets uh, and has kind of seen that to to be able to 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 coach a contending team. Like, so... He was one of the few guys I felt like no matter what direction you went, you you know, you were good. Um, and you know, we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes. I'm not I'm not a hundred percent on on Beal not being here in two years. Uh, I'm I'm not a hundred percent on that yet. Um, I don't even know if I'm forty percent on that yet. Like I I think just from some of the things I've heard him say and some of the money moves I've seen him make. I think he's really trying to get that super max extension from, and the only place he can get that is, is here that five year, you know, bag. So we'll, we'll yeah. see. We'll see. Do you think that now I asked you about the players, but do you think that like coaching wise, candidate wise, that their impact on wanting the job depended on the direction that the wizards were going in? Like, do you think that more or less candidates would have been interested if if they decided, well, we're actually leaning more towards a rebuild? Oh, kind of going back to that 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 wild report, uh, they would rather be the Thunder than be the Suns. <laughs> right. I don't think that that's um, accurate, but ju- but just to pretend. Um, yeah, like like yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, if you're talking head coaching candidates, we'd rather be the Thunder than be the Suns then I don't think you get to interview as many guys that they interview. I, I really don't. Because then it doesn't, then to me, it's not a desirable job. Um, If you're telling me that, hey, yeah, in two years or in a year's time, you're not going to have uh, a 30-point-per-game all-NBA shooting guard and a you know triple-double point guard. Uh, yeah, we're going to be building around some unknown 2023 draft pick and Rui and Denny. I just think it's too many variables with that to, to, to stake my first job or, or my resume on that. I just think that's just, it's just too many unknowns with that. I wouldn't do it. Um, I just wouldn't do it. Like the guys that the quality guys that you saw get hired, I feel like they went to teams that had, at least one pillar piece in place. Like Udoka, he goes to Boston because they have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Uh, if they're not there, I don't think they. he just goes to Boston because it's Boston. Um, you know, uh, uh, who's the other guy? Um, I'm drawing a blank now. Uh, Carlisle, I think, went to Indiana you know, because of his home, you know, that was he was there before. Uh, but I, I just think, you know, and even the, even the Pelicans, it's kind of like, OK, yeah, you have Zion, you know, but what's what are you really building after that? So 
I just think I just think with these coaches, if you're going to tell them, hey, yeah, we're, we're trying to rebuild and we're going to blow this thing up in the next year or so. I just think that would be kind of hard to really sell to, to some of these quality candidates. I think at that point they would have probably had to go for a guy that was like totally un- unproven, like, you know, one of those guys that, you know, is kind of out of left field that nobody else was interviewing. It would have had to be like that. Or maybe Tommy would have pulled a guy from from overseas in a different league. Um, yeah. If you were going to leave with that, like, um, and I think a lot of Wiz fans would have been disappointed if they had did something like that. It would have had to have been like a, a David Black type hire. <laughs> yeah. Now let me ask you this. Um, give me – I know this is going to be really on the spot – Give me five questions you're asking Wes Unsell Jr. in his opening press conference. Ooh. Uh, man. What? <laughs> oh, man. Um, and you don't have to be, like, politically correct in terms of, like, trying to say everything like reporters would say it, but just, like, the general base of the question. Man, uh, what do you think about the Wizards' defense this season? And what are some of the things that you would do to rectify it? That would probably be my first question. Then my second question would be, what do you think about the Wizards' three-point shooting this season? And what are some of the things that you would like to do to rectify it? Those would be my top two questions. Um, after that, ah, it, I mean, all of the questions following that were centered around those two, those two main themes. Uh, you know, how do you feel about, uh, Probably how do you feel about Davis Berton's season and what are some of the ways that you feel like you can unlock him in Beal's three-point shooting? Um, what do you feel about Russell Westbrook's role uh, and how do you feel like you can maximize him as you know now a 33-year-old point guard? Um, and then probably my last question would be, Hmm. What do you envision the identity of this team being? Because um, I think with Brooks this particular season, we we sort of found out that it was pretty much, you know, '90s basketball. It was limited threes. Uh, you know, it was it was get to the paint, get free throws. Um, I'm curious to see if he believes that's a winning identity. Uh, in this era of basketball and and whether or not he wants to change it. Um, So those would probably be my five questions. Two player base and then two, (laughs) one base defense, one base three-point shooting, and then the other based on their identity, Um, which kind of relates back to all of it, it, you know, to begin with. So probably those five. So here's how, here's one of my questions, and you already said it, but, Here's why I would kind of mention it, at least if I'm a national reporter. Like, Wes, we saw what it was like under a season where you just have um, Russ and Brad just pound the ball 
all the time. It didn't lead to efficient offense, and eventually it didn't lead to winning, especially in the postseason. Given that you have a number nine overall pick who is known as a passer and needs the ball a little bit more, and you have an emerging 22-year-old in the front court who also needs the ball, along with the return of Thomas Bryant with guys like Daniel Gafford and Bertans off the bench, how do you spread the ball around? That would be one question. The second thing I'm asking him is, did the dynamic of having a Westbrook and Beal affect your interest in the job? The third thing I'm asking him is, Wes, the defense has been a joke for the last five seasons. How do you implement a defensive-minded system, especially when, you ha- when your two best players are offensive-minded and I'm asking him how he plans on developing Denny, Rui, and Gaff. Oh, that's four. Not that it really matters, but I would be interested in if any other team um, other than Orlando showed interest in him. Not that he'd probably answer that, but... Um, Sidestep answer on that one. Yeah. <laughs> but... The other four, I, I think, are solid questions. And again, the media can ask these, but there's a way to ask every question. And I just, I don't want them to like try and sugarcoat it. I want them to ask the question directly because I want Wes to know, and not even just to know because I'm sure he already knows. But I just want the message to be clear because the issues that have been going on with this team, not only this past year, but the past five, is aggravating and fans want to see an adjustment made oh for sure for sure um that's why i say for me like the two biggest issues are their defense and the three-point shooting um and the way they're gonna have to address that is obviously through their identity and then two how they deploy the roster that they have obviously they got a time he's got to make some changes to the roster um, but even with those changes, it's not going to matter if you're still going to just pound the ball with two guys and all you're doing is really getting uh, paint points and, and free throws. Like, it's just you can have all the three-point shooters in the world. It's not going to matter if you're not using them correctly. So um, that that would be my main thing. Like, I, like how are you going to adjust the defense? How are you going to adjust the three-point shooting? And really, like, what's your identity? Like, you know. Is that going to be an emphasis? Because, I mean, you're not a good three-point shooting team just by chance or by accident. You have to be deliberate in it. And the same thing with defense. Like, you're not just going to be a good defensive team just by showing up. You have to be deliberate in your schemes. You know, who plays where? Who's your anchor? Who's calling out sets from the back of the defense? Like, were you switching? All of that. Like, you got to – you have to be deliberate in that. It's just not going to just happen. So – I would love to hear that kind of dialogue from him, um, and I'm hopefully we get that once he does give his press conference. Okay. Um, anything on Wes before we move on to uh, to Brad here to finish this off? Uh, no, I'm I'm just happy. I'm happy that's the guy. Yeah, uh, there will definitely be more to talk about uh, once the press conference happens, and we actually hear what he thinks about the team and all that. It's kind of hard to 
talk about right now just because we have no idea what his thinking is uh, in regards to the Wizards or anything that we've talked about. So, uh, And again, it, it hasn't even been made official yet. It, it's just, um, you know, he, he's the front runner. He's the lead person to get the job. It's not official yet. Although I'd say it's probably 98, 99% done. Yep. Anyway, Team USA. Bradley Beal's out now because of COVID protocols. Jeremy Grant's out now because of COVID protocol protocols. This isn't meant to sound weird or gross. Um, I mean this in a casual way. Do you think Bradley Beal should be asking for a sleepover? Because he needs to be recruiting Jeremy Grant <laughs> while they have this wonderful time off and seeing if the agent and the GMs can come together and work out a deal that's fair for both sides. We've talked about the deal. We think the deal is two first-round picks, Davis Bertans and Chandler Hutchison. You and I would both sign that uh, paperwork today. Detroit should sign that paperwork because odds are no one else is going to be calling up the Pistons to ask for a $20 million role player. So, I mean, what do you think about, I guess, just Brad in general? And then do you think that Brad should be using this time off to maybe kind of talk to Jeremy a little bit more. I, I mean, do you even think he's really doing that at all? I, I would imagine he is. I mean, honestly, that might be why the two of them are in the in the protocol now. <laughs> uh, but I mean, and it just makes sense. Like, I, I mean, he even admitted that, you know, that's going to go, that's going to take place. Like, guys are talking, you know, just that, no different than the way you, you know, you would talk to your friends about your workplace. Like, you know, it, it, it happens like it, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of, you know, what Detroit is willing to do and what Tommy is willing to offer. Um, and so we'll see. But I, I don't doubt at all that that's, those conversations aren't being had. And then it's like if you're Jeremy, um, do you even want to leave? Because think about it right now. And of course, this is before Cade gets there, but he's a 20 point per game score. He's the guy, and we know that he signed with um, Detroit for reasons outside of just the on-court basketball. Uh, I mean, and we know that, obviously, Tommy Shepard is, is white. I mean, do, do you think that he would even cons- – he, would he want to consider coming here to be a, a third, maybe tied for a third option, depending on how you feel about Rui? Man. Uh... Oh, he would definitely be the third option here, um, just based on you know the, the the tenure and probably the the respect level that Beal and Russ would have for him. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what he wants. Um, I mean, obviously, if he want to keep you know putting up twenty a game um, and maybe try to vie for for an All Star spot, uh, I guess maybe he would want to stay in Detroit. Um, but my thing is, like, if Detroit was really where you wanted to be long-term, why sign a three-year deal instead of a four-year deal? Um, you know, it just and – then, and then with a player option at that. Like, if that was really, really where you wanted to be long-term, um, I, I don't understand that. So uh, I, I'm thinking the Detroit move – I've just felt like always was kind of like a solid for for uh, Troy Weaver, a local guy, um, you know, that gives him the opportunity to kind of build his value, and then he gets to opt out, 
uh, before the age of 30 and get another major deal. And that major deal could come from anywhere. Um, but Detroit is going to give him the showcase to to show his full ability um, to maximize his earning potential. Because I don't know that he would have gotten that. He wouldn't have gotten that going back to Denver. Because obviously he would have been a third option. So this Detroit move, you know, kind of lets him flap his wings a little bit. And then, uh, you know, kind of let the market determine how much he's he's due then before he turns 30. Um, so that that's kind of always the way I felt like that that move was. And just looking at his age, I mean, he's 27 years old now. They're going to draft Kay Cunningham, who's 20. Killian Hayes last year, 19. He's 20 now. Uh, you know, Sadiq Bey is on the – I think he's, what, 20, 21? He'll be 22 this year. Like, where does Jeremy Grant fit in that timeline? Isaiah Stewart, 20. Like, where where does Jeremy Grant fit there? By the time they're ready to win, Jeremy Grant is going to be 33. <laughs> you know, like, so I, I just don't see it. Like, I just don't see it. So I, either he's on his way out via trade or he's on his way out via free agency in two years. I'm just – I'm really excited and I'm happy for Wes. And I think that specifically for Jeremy Grant, if you can continue to build that that DMV brand in D.C. and just revive D.C. basketball, revive the Wizards, and especially with home talent, I think that's an opportunity you really have to jump at. I mean, think about it. What if you get Jeremy Grant, you have a better system, why can't we go to the Eastern Conference Finals? Why can't we play play hard enough to get to the point to be a finals contender? Why can't they? What's yeah, the right I mean, pieces? With the right pieces and obviously the right right coaching uh, and, and, and schemes, I mean, because I don't look at the Suns as this overly talented team. Like, we always kind of, you know, it was always kind of this thinking that, like, you can't contend if you don't have a top five player. I mean, the Suns don't have a top five player to me, and you're there in the finals. I mean, now obviously, a lot of things happen for them to get there. Uh, but I just think they're just kind of a well-coached, well-executing uh, um, team where everybody just kind of plays their role, you know? Um, so it kind of kind of bucks the trend of, like, you have to have a top five, you know, MVP candidate in order to – to make the finals. That's not always the case. So, um, and, and I like, I mean, if we're just going off raw talent, I like Bill and Russ off just raw ability more than I like CP three at age 36 and Devin Booker. I think the difference is going to be filling out that roster down to like your eighth, ninth man, because that's where the Suns to me have a clear advantage um, with the shooting they have the wings they have, and obviously Aiton in the paint. Um, that's where that's where Tommy has got to get busy. Like, he just cannot stand pat and just hope guys just get better. Like, he's going to have to make some moves and be aggressive. So, this is actually a cool little segment here to close off, uh, to close out the pod just to give uh, some other NBA talk here. Where would you rank Chris Paul and Devin Booker right now in terms of like their individual positions, like where would you rank Booker among shooting guards? Where would you rank Chris Paul among point guards? They both top five for sure. Um, yeah, both top five. 
So give me your top five shooting guards because I have a take. Well, it depends on whether do you consider Harden a two guard or a shooting guard? I mean, or a point guard. I mean, he played. He technically played point guard for Brooklyn, didn't he? I think they used Kyrie at the two. I could be wrong. I'd have to check Basketball Reference. Yeah. So, so then I'll 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 categorize Harden as a point, and then I'll categorize Kyrie as a two guard. Okay. Um, well, Booker's better than Kyrie. I don't know about that. I don't know okay, about that. Okay, give me your top five shooting guards because I have a take. I'm going to give you my top five. No order, just top five. Obviously, Bill. Okay. I'm going to go Levine. I'm going to okay. go Kyrie. Okay. I'm going to go D. Booker. Okay. And then I'm going to go probably Spider. Okay, Booker's better than those other four. So you think Booker is the best shooting guard in the NBA? I think so. So you would take Devin Booker over Beal? Uh yeah, yeah I would. Hmm. Hmm. Based on what? I think he's a better overall scorer. I think that he is obviously a, a better. Well, I wouldn't say better athlete. I'll say this: I think the way that they control the game is is way different. I mean, even Beal now with the ball in his hands under two minutes, or would I rather have Booker? I'm taking Booker every single time. Because I think Booker just makes smarter decisions with the basketball. Booker never feels rushed. Beal can get rushed. Beal can have games where he has four or five, six turnovers, just complete mental lapses. You don't really see that with Booker. I, uh, I, I, <laughs> see, I think we do see that with Booker. Uh, we just don't watch all the Suns games. But and, and I don't think Booker right now has the same load as Bill. But like, if I'm again, when I rank guys, I'm I got to do a skill for skill, right? So like, neither one of them are defenders. So we just gonna throw that out, right? This is basically who's the better offensive player ranking between these two guys. And Bill has has averaged thirty now two years in a row. Was Booker's career high scoring? I think what twenty seven. Career high right. in scoring. What? For Booker? For Booker, it's like 27, right? Didn't Booker have like a 60, 70 point game? No, no, no. I mean the average. I'm talking about oh, average. average. Averages. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, I like 27, right? Yeah, but he's playing with bombs. I mean, that's what Bill played with last year, right? That, that, that's, how, that's how you're going to score more when you're playing with bombs. Like, you're but not going to average. The Wizards you are better than thirty playing with you know all NBA teammates. So he's played with bombs the last since he's been in the in the in the league, right? He's never averaged thirty, right? Sure, yeah. Bill has done it the last two seasons, having bombs and adding Russell Westbrook. He's averaged thirty, right? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Okay, I I, I, I look at Booker. I don't know. And then let's look at let's look at individually how they score, right? Who finishes at the rim better? Uh Beal. Who's a better mid-range shooter? Booker. See, I think that's a push. I think they're both elite in the mid-range. That's that's they're similar in that regard to me. Um, they they are, they are for sure, but I, I like I think Booker is a more is a more smooth shooter than Beal. I like Booker's shot way more than Beal's and his shot-creating ability. Now, getting to the paint, 
I guess, but let me ask this too. How much does refereeing impact the, um, the, the ability for defenders to want to even give Beal contact? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I think, I think Bill is, is a stronger player than Denver Booker. Yes. For like, sure. He's just a stronger player. That's why I think he's a better finisher. Um, and that, and that to me is why he's averaged more points than Booker because like their three point shooting percentages are about the same. Like they could both be better in that regard. I think they're both better as catch and shoot distance shooters they're not really good off the bounce from distance. Neither one of them. Um, their their mid-range game is their bread and butter. They both want to get to the mid-range. I think Bill, and this, this is surprising to say, I'm saying this, but I think Bill has a, a, a better bag off the dribble. Like, Devin Booker, to me, is more deliberate. Like, he's kind of like Kobe in that sense. He's going to give you the fadeaway. He's going to give you one or two dribble pull-up. Um... Bill got the step back. He got the little hezzies. He got the little crafty euros in the lane, up and unders. He got all that. You know, he can finish with contact. Like I think Bill has a little bit more, a wider variety of moves in his in his game. But either way, I'm putting their I'm putting their their mid range games kind of even. And then as far as finishing, I think it's Bill by a lot actually. Like, <laughs> like Devin Booker, that's part of the reason why Devin Booker has some of the bad games he has, uh, because he don't fit. He don't get to the rim. Like if if it's three ball and his mid range going, oh, he going to cook you. He going to cook you all. He going to get 40, 50. But when he's missing those jump shots, he not able to get to the rim like that. And that's why I say I prefer. I, that's why I think Beal is better. Because he can finish at the rim, where Booker is not, he not getting to the rim. I think he could still get to the rim pretty well. I just think he prefers to. He, he's like Middleton in the sense that he knows the shots he wants to take. Like it's kind of scripted, but he still gets the shot off that he wants to get off. Yeah, and that's and that's fine, but that's why I don't think he's. That's why he's not a thirty point scorer. Like to be a 30 point score, you have to be elite at every just about every level. And that's the level to me that he's missing. That's the last piece to his game he's missing. Because he can make threes, he can make the mid, but I don't see him as a guy that can go consistently and get 10 free throw attempts a game. Because that's just not how he attacks. Like he's a one dribble, two dribble, pull up, you know, catch, fire. Like, he's that type of player, which is cool. That's great. But he got to get to the rim. Because, like, that game, what was that game? Was it game three? When he had, like, eight points or something? But if you look at his shot profile, it was, like, all jumpers. Mm-hmm. And at some point, like, you're going to miss 10 jumpers, 10, 12 jumpers. At some point, you got to say, all right, let me put my head down and get past a guy and get to the rim. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he has that. Whereas I feel like Bill or even Spider Mitchell would have been like, okay, I'm going to go dunk on you now. <laughs> like, I'm going to get to the rim. If I ain't making no jumpers, I'm going to go get 10, 15 points on the free throw line. Yeah, that's fair. I, I guess it just it depends on the style that you prefer. 
Oh yeah, I mean Devin Booker. I mean he's six six. Like you know, he his jumper is picture perfect. Like he, if we talking about who game looks prettier, I would probably say Devin Booker. But if you asking me who's like more effective, who's a better scorer, I'm gonna go with Bill. Like that 30, 32 years in a row under different circumstances with an All Star, no All Star. I think that speaks for itself. And like watching him. And then watching other elite shooting guards, I just think Bill gets it at every level. The only thing Bill missing is that 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 fourth level, like you know, Dame and Steph range from three pointer. Like if he had that, he could average thirty five forty. You know, if he could add that, but he got everything else. So, yeah, I mean, I guess. I don't even consider Beal a shooter anymore. Though. That's a thing. Like I don't. I, I don't consider Beal a three point like threat. You still have to close out, but I don't consider him a threat. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess like in this vein of of shooting now, where guys are taking like ten threes a game, it's like. But it's like okay, if Beal shot four threes a game, you think he couldn't? You don't think he could shoot forty percent again from three? Because back back in the 90s, that's what the best shooters were doing. Like Ray Allen, Reggie Miller, they were taking like four or five threes a game, right? Now, you're you're not a shooter unless you're taking like eight, nine a game. (laughs) Eight, nine a game. It is like... Well, you can view that two ways. You can say, well, that wears you down after a while, or you can say it helps you get more into rhythm by taking more attempts. Because, like, for me as a shooter, the more reps I took, the more in rhythm I got. If you only use me, like, as a a three-point shooter, but you only give me two or three attempts a game, odds are I'm probably going to either make one or I'm going to miss all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, think, you know, Bill's shot profile, I just think he needs – his looks need to get easier. Like, and I think that's the thing with Chris Paul on the Suns. He gets guys easy looks, you know, and they run a system where Devin Booker is getting clean looks. It's rare when I watch Bill play where I see this man get a clean look. Like, it's always something tough. And so but, for me, I'm like, you're scoring 30 on like 60% true shooting, and like every shot you take is tough. Like, I would rather, you know, instead of him doing 30 a game and every look is a tough look, him doing like 25 a game and he getting easy open looks. You know, because then the true shooting percentage will go up. Then it'll be, you know, he's shooting 64, 65% true shooting percentage as a guard, which is would be crazy. Yeah, um, I guess – because I was going to use this as part of my argument. I've seen Beal clank way too many wide-open three-pointers the past two seasons, especially this he past has, season. Yeah, he definitely has. He definitely has, for sure. And I'm sure he's gassed. I'm sure that plays a part. I'm not saying it doesn't. But yeah, that's why I, I can't consider him a three-point threat because he – like, even if you only made one every once in a while, like off the dribble, I mean, that's fine. I don't really care about that. I, don't, I typically don't think that that's a good shot anyway unless you're Dame or Steph. Yeah. Uh, but you got to make at least like 30, like 38% of your wide open threes. And he doesn't even do that. That's what, but that's the same thing with Book, though. Like, if you looked at Book's three point shooting this year, 
Right, I know his hasn't been good this year either. Yeah, or last year. Like, him and Luca, like, him, Luca, and Bill, I'm like, y'all should be shooting way better from three-point range for the yeah. type of players y'all are. Um, but I think, again, a lot, of, a lot of that to me has to do with the fact that they have the ball in their hands more and they're being play initiators instead of play finishers. You know, where I can come off a pin down and I can catch it and be wide open instead of me having to bring it up, initiate it, try to beat it, break a guy down off the bounce and all of that. Like that does get tiring. And then in the fourth quarter, you know, you done been tripled and double teamed. You're tired. You ain't got no legs. Yeah. yeah. Um, real so, quick, where would you put Chris Paul in terms of point guards? Top five. Easy. That's easy. So you would have, I'm, I'm guessing, um, not in any order. Steph, Dame, obviously CP3. Um, mm-hmm. Are you putting Westbrook top five? Ooh, let me give you, let me give you the four first. Let me give you the okay. four. Okay. So definitely Chris Paul, okay. Steph, Dame, yep. yep, and then Harden. That's okay, the top okay. four. Sure. Undisputed, right? Sure. So then, so then fifth, I think you almost have to. Ooh, I think it is Russ. I think it is Russ because I, if it's not Russ, then is it Trey? Nah, Russ is better than Trey. Well, uh, it might, or and then Luca, 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 dude. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so then no, no, Russ is not top five, it's Luca. Yeah, it's those right. five. Undisputed, it's those five. And right. then I would say for six, six, the sixth spot, you know, depending on what you want, what you value. I personally, I would probably go Trey for me. I, th- I think I would too, yeah. Uh, like if, if you're asking me who I would rather have on the Wizards between Trey, like just throw age out the window. We ain't even talking about that. Like just player for player, who I would rather have in this – in this era of basketball, Trey or Russ, I'm taking Trey. See, I He's think fit-wise fit wise for this team and what we've been lacking at, I think I still take Russ. But, like, I- I'm talking for this team. Uh, but I definitely think that Trey's probably better overall. Man, the, uh, man, if you had Trey here, do you know how much that would open up the floor for everybody else? Like... Oh my God! Like, 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 just what I was talking about about Bill getting clean looks. Oh, he would get some clean looks having Trey Young shooting from thirty-five feet. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to guard the team totally different with that dude on the floor, man. Like that, them four-level scores. That's a different dynamic, man. We ain't never had nobody like that. Maybe I don't even know if I would call. Well, no, Gill was definitely that. Gill could definitely shoot it from out there. Um, yeah, like that's that's a different. It's you got in the team totally different with Trey Young on the floor. Yeah. <sighs> Who else is like in that top point guard discussion? I mean, I think okay, so clearly if Trey six, Russ has to be seventh. Oh yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. He's se- he would be seven. So I'm trying um, to think of all the other point guards. Like I guess, and I'm not I mean, saying they're better throw... than Russ. I'm just naming some. But D'Angelo Russell, De'Aaron Fox. Mm. Um, yeah, I wouldn't even put D'Lo in this combo. <laughs> I wouldn't either. John uh, Morant, uh, D'Angelo Russell. You got Jamal Murray. Lonzo Ball. 
No, I wouldn't put him in that con- in this combo. Uh, I- I'm, try- I'm trying to think who uh, is. Most of them in the West, to be honest with you. I mean, Ben Simmons. No, 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 Ben Simmons. <laughs> you know what, though? I think it was unfair the way that they slandered him in, in the playoffs and all that. I understand, like, he's not a good shooter and all that. And, like, he had some nah, bad points luck. A but... game, Nine points a game. You got, nah, you're going to catch that slander, man. I understand, but, like, I. I'm just, I, I don't like it. how mean Twitter can be. Tw- Twitter's an awful, awful place. If Bradley Beal averaged nine points a game in the playoffs, what would you be doing? But Brad's a shooter and a scorer. Ben Simmons is kind of like that all-around, do-everything kind of guy who helps if you in Bradley, other ways. If Bradley Beal averaged 15 points a game oh, in the, the playoffs, would be insane. Oh, uh, right. Like, I mean, I if mean, it was, was under 20. I mean, he was averaging, like, basically half of his season average. Like, I think on the season he was, like, 16 a game. Mm-hmm. And then you come in the playoffs and you averaging nine. So that would be like that would be like Bill averaging 30 during the regular season. And then he come in the playoffs and he averaging, like, 17. I mean, even I think if Bill averaged 20 points, I still think that's kind of like that is he not would get good. Slender. He was getting slandered. Yeah, especially if you do it on like, what what was he, 30% from the free throw line? Like, come on, man. Nah, he but, he he had to get that. <laughs> okay, systematically, though, Beal is obviously the number one option on our team. If I'm running the Sixers, Ben Simmons isn't even the second option. He's probably a third because you have Tobias Harris. Yeah, oh yeah, I agree. But I mean, that's what he was. I mean, he he was the third. Tobias Harris was second on the team in scoring, not Ben Simmons. No, no, here's my thing. If you think that Ben is going to be that much of a liability from the free throw line, then maybe take him out and don't let your player get cooked in those situations. Because that was also an indictment on coaching. That's not all Ben. You going to tell that to Ben Simmons that he can't play the fourth quarter in the playoffs? Is a championship on the line? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm doing that. Man. And but if he that, still wants that, to get mad and get and wants a trade, then we're still in the same situation we're in now. But I mean, that's the that's the issue, though. Like, I shouldn't have to pull my best one of my best players in the fourth quarter. You know, you gotta go work on your game. You gotta go work on your game, man. Like the playoffs, it's a it's not about what you can do. The playoffs show you what guys can't do. And teams right. are going to make right. sure that you're doing what you can't do. That's what they want you to do. That's the scout report. It's not the regular season where you get to just run and gun and get in a fast break all day and, and get easy points. Like, nobody, you're going to have to score in the half court. You're going to have to dribble with that hand that you don't want to dribble with. <laughs> you're going right. to have to shoot that jumper you don't want to shoot. Right. And if you ain't working on your game, it's going to show. Right. So, I don't feel bad for him, man. He got. Stop messing with them, them, them Kardashians and go in the, get in the gym and work on your game, man. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess. All <laughs> right, so I'm going to go watch more Booker because I want to do some more eye test stuff, and then I'll look at some number stuff, and I'll come back, and I'll revisit this. Maybe I'll, it's just yeah. recency bias for me. Yeah, but pull, I think- up, pull up the shot charts. Pull up the percentages. You know, watch that film on them. Like, yeah, I, I, I think he top five for sure. Like, I would probably put him 
Uh, I'll probably put him Bill Kyrie. I would put Booker third. Okay. Because I, I just think Kyrie, I mean, like, that dude, he different, man. He, he, that's a different dude, man, with the, with the ball in his hand. And we talking about skill, there ain't nothing he can't do. Well, if we're talking about straight-up skill, then Kyrie's better than Beal. He might be. He might be. I, I just think. I don't know. I, when I, I rate players, like, you, you got to look at body, too, like weight, height, like and that kind I'm of saying, stuff matters. Think, that's what I'm saying, because Beal's a little bit bigger and more physical. I probably lean Beal. But he Kyrie right there. Like, I, if somebody say Kyrie better, I'm not going to be mad. Because right. Kyrie, Kyrie certified to me. Like, as as we talking getting buckets, he's certified. We want the most skilled dudes to pick up a ball. Right. I think when you talk about the most skilled players in the NBA, I mean, it, it's him and Steph for me, easily. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't like the stuff he do. The the the, the locker room antics and, and all of that, you know, just disappearing right. and not not showing up, not letting nobody know. Like, that stuff is whack. But yeah. on the court, Skill for skill, it's hard to touch that. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think that's a good place to end off, uh, mostly because my phone's about to die. Um, I wanted to take the time to thank you guys again for listening. Make sure you leave us a five-star review if you haven't already. Leave us any comments you guys have. Always looking for feedback and constructive criticism if you guys have any or if you enjoy the show. Um, make sure to let us know. We really would appreciate any kind of words you guys have to say. Uh, thanks for tuning in again, and we will be with you next with Chase Hughes to talk about um, Wes Unseld's press conference, hopefully. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. All right. NBA draft at the Arcade Center. Ooh.